The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. Have your Bibles, if you will, open them up to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're going to get there in just a moment. But I've been sharing a series, really, for several weeks now about why do we exist? Why are we here? And uh, those bulletins that you have that we hand out, I mean, in there, and we recited on most, uh, most Sundays at the end of our time together is a statement uh, declaring, why are we here? And it starts with, we exist to glorify God by gathering, growing, giving, and going in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, so today, I mean, I've been sharing for weeks now about how do we bring glory to God? How do we magnify His holy name? Well, it's not just uh, by what we do. I mean, we can gather, we can be here, but it's how we gather and, and the manner in which we gather. And, we, and I shared last week about how critical it is to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in His name and His person and who He is. And I'm so grateful um, that, that yes, Jesus died on the cross, but he also gave us life and life that we can live for him and in his name and for his glory. But he didn't uh, ask us to do this alone. And quite honestly, uh, it's a dishonoring thing to try to live the Christian life in your own strength, in your own power. Uh, God has given us the, the power and the presence of himself, God the Holy Spirit. And uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 11, I'm going to share this little passage with you. Um, I'm talking about life in the Spirit. Now, there's many places we can go, and we don't have time this morning uh, to cover all that. But I, but I will say to you that, that one way that we bring honor and glory to God is living the Christian life, doing church as we gather, grow, give, and go in His name, yes, but by His power. It is when we do it by His power that God is magnified and made much of. In other words, if all we do is what we do, what we feel like we can do, we're not doing it by His power and in His strength. Um, Tom Rainer made this illustration. I don't know if this relates to you or not, but uh, he, in his, one of his books that he wrote, he, made a, uh, he talked about himself personally, how he's not one that really fixes things. In fact, he's, uh, if something breaks the house, his wife will... Um, We'll call a repairman first, not ask him to do anything. And he made this, he made this uh, statement in one of his books. He says, uh, uh, when something breaks at the house, it seems foolish, but uh, he'll declare it as irreversibly broken. Like there's no way that this is ever going to be fixed ever again, only to discover it wasn't plugged in to the wall socket, right? I don't know if that's you or not, but the truth is uh, something that requires power, if it's not plugged into that power source, will not work. In Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, just to remind you, uh, Jesus told those disciples in, in, in the very first century to wait on this power. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Uh, it, it is impossible for us as a church to accomplish His mission if we're not plugged in to His power, the Holy Spirit of God. So if you will, uh, if you have your Bibles in Romans chapter 8, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 11 uh, this morning. 
Therefore, uh, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so what happened? He condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead to sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. To God be the glory. May His Word penetrate our hearts today. Uh, I've shared with you, why are we here? We're here to give glory to God. And we talked about all this, but it's by His power, by His strength, by His Holy Spirit that we do this thing called church. Uh, several things here I want to I talk about the Holy Spirit. Just out of this passage in Romans 8, several things kind of jump out. First of all, the Holy Spirit of God, first of all, if you take a note, sets us free from the law of sin and death. In verses 1 through 5, I just read this. We're, in other words, it starts off, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, but however, that means that if you're not in Christ Jesus, you are under condemnation. There's no way that you're going to escape the reality of sin. It just won't happen. Every person, every person ever been, ever has been, ever will be, uh, is in this state of sin. And unless you come under the blood of Jesus through Christ alone, you're in uh, sin and condemned. In other words, the wages or the payment of sin is death. There's no way to escape it. Yet, yet we know, and, and, and Paul starts this off, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the Spirit uh, uh, literally sets us free. He paid this debt that we didn't have to pay any longer. Now, now MacArthur makes this statement, a true Christian, a true Christian. He'll say that multiple times in, in many things. He said, a true Christian both has the desire and the divinely imparted ability to live righteously while he's still on earth. Why? Because God sent His own Son to redeem us. That means purchase us, pay us, uh, buy us back. Mankind, by providing the only sacrifice that can condemn and remove their sin. It is literally through Christ alone. And in this context, he's, he's speaking about the sanctifying work of what Christ did on the cross. In other words, you're set free in Christ because of His life and because He paid that price. He died on that cross for our sin. And now in Christ, you can literally be set free from that law. And there's a new law. It's a new law. In other words, by the Spirit of God that we can live not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. It says in verse 4. And so it's a beautiful thing. So the Holy Spirit of God sets us free. In other words, brings into reality that we have now this new law at work in every child of God. 
that we can live our lives in such a way, I mean, this is a bold statement, to bring honor and glory to God. I mean, again, over and over again, we don't have time this morning. The Bible commands us to walk in a manner worthy of this calling we received in Christ Jesus. To, to walk in a manner not giving in to the sinful nature, not to, not to give in to death and all that, but to give in to life and to have that life made manifest in our lives for the glory of God. Over and over again. This doesn't happen in your own strength. Church, please hear me on this. You, you don't get there by being religious. I had a conversation just Friday with a young man, reminding him of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. I dare say, now I don't know everybody here personally, still working on that, only been here about a year now. Um, but I don't know you personally, and you might be some of the most religious people I've ever seen in my life. But I dare say, not many of us are more religious than Nick, who came to Jesus at night in, in, in John chapter 3. And y'all remember this in John 3, 3, what did, what did he say? What did he say to Nick? Nick came as a religious person who was trying to build his life to be right before God. In other words, he was trying to live this life built on his own merits, his own abilities, and his own religious system and structure. And Jesus blows that up for Nick. And he literally says in John 3, 3, he says, Nick, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to see the kingdom of God unless you are what was that? Born again. Thank you. That's right. Born again. Now, I know, just like I talked to this young man the other day, that seems so foreign to us today. But Nick was trying to do everything he can to be right with God and to aspire to that. And Jesus said, you, you never will. Because there's this law that's at work in you. You can clean yourself up all you want, but you're still going to be in sin. There's only one way to be set free from that, and that's through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's what he's preparing him. He said, man, you've got to be birthed from above. And even in that context, he says the Spirit of God is what brings you to that place in reality. To help you to see your true condition, but also to point you to life in Christ. So um, it's just a beautiful statement that, that the Holy Spirit of God brings us into the reality that we are freed. Free from that law, and we've been set free to live in a new reality. In fact, over and over again in the scripture, the Bible calls us saints. Saints. I mean, it's amazing to me. God radically changes, sets us free from the law of sin and death. All right, the second thing, the Holy Spirit of God. We see in this passage, in verse 9, look with me there. What is it? He, the Holy Spirit of God indwells every child of God. I mean, look at this. Verse 9, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, that's in the context here, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. He goes on to ex explain, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he does not belong to Christ. Undeniable, verifiable, explicit, every child of God that is here today, that is washed in the blood of Christ, as Jesus would say, born again, in that moment of conversion, the Holy Spirit of God indwells every child of God. It is the evidence. It is the evidence. It is unmistakable. I, I, I know it seems mysterious, and it is. And I, I'm telling you what, it is, it'll blow your mind. But the Holy Spirit of God resides within us. You don't work towards that. It's not some special maturity that you develop and get to. It is a spiritual reality. 
Every child of God without exception. Birth from above means the Holy Spirit of God indwells you. Unless you don't have him. And if you don't, listen, just like Nick in John chapter 3, you can be as religious as you want to be. You can memorize as much scripture as you want. You can give as much money as you want. And it, listen, you are still in a state condemned before a holy God. Until you come to Christ, until you come under the blood of Jesus, trusting Him personally as your Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in this heart, there is no evidence, real evidence, that you're even a child of God. But I, but I say this, and this is, meant, this is meant to encourage the Christians here in Romans chapter 8. In other words, how in the world are we going to live this Christian life? How are we going to bring honor and glory to God? And the truth is you can't do it on your own. It is by the indwelling Holy Spirit of God that He leads and guides us and directs us and changes us and transforms. In fact, biblically, the moment you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to change you from the inside out. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Now, I know some of us, I mean, it's like... Boom, I hunt, you know, I'm, I'm a new person the next day. Uh, for, for some of us, it's a gradual journey over time. But make no mistake, He works in us to bring glory to God. I mean, we ought we all, all be able to take stock in our lives today. We ought to. I mean, you ought to. We should. Please do this. Paul would say it this way, examine yourself. Take a look on the inside. I don't know if you do that. It can get a little scary sometimes looking on the inside. But see, is there evidence in your life that the Spirit of God has taken up residence in you? I mean, really? If He hasn't, can I just share with you, today's a great day. Because in just a moment, I'm going to offer an invitation. And let, me, let me just tell you, like I told that young man on Friday, today's a day that you can turn to Jesus Christ and confess to Him your need for a Savior and ask Him to come into your life. Save your soul. I mean, you can do that. Today. But take stock in that. But, I, but, but let's be, just be clear. The Bible's clear. Listen, it, 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 the Spirit of God indwells every child of God. Number three, the Holy Spirit of God makes us alive to God. And, and when I say that, um, I've already shared several things with you already. But, but when I say that, I mean, He takes up residence. But, but there's, it, and, and that's a beautiful truth. It's a biblical truth. But it goes beyond just taking up residence in our life. But he makes us alive unto God. And I mean, that's what the scripture says in verses 10. Look with me. But if Christ is in you, if Christ is in you, the Holy Spirit of God, your body is dead to sin, yes, but the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And look at this, verse 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead mm, is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. To God be the glory. He makes us alive. Friend, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, y'all. I mean, come on. I know I'm not the smartest man in the house. But listen, when Jesus Christ, when the Spirit of the living God takes up residence in our heart, changes us from the inside out. And the greatest change is now, instead of enmity with God, there's an intimacy with God. Oh, good night. We're a new creation, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5. You don't put a little deodorant on and clean up. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about putting on a little makeup. I'm talking about a changed creature because the Holy Spirit of God indwells us. It goes even further. In Romans 8, a little, a little bit later on in this chapter, 
because of the Spirit of God in us, it dwells us, makes us alive. We are now children, children of the Lord, of the one true living God. In fact, the Bible says, by this Spirit, we cry, Abba, or Father. Good night, what a term of intimacy. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. Lord, help me, I get worked up. Please, I'm just, I just want to be, I, I know, I know. I'm an emotional, listen, listen, my wife, I get emotional. Um, and that's not bad or good or whatever, it's, but here's the deal, here's the deal. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God in our life didn't just come and take up residence. He's changed our disposition. He's changed our position. Where we were once at enmity, now there's intimacy with this real, living, one true, living God Almighty, Creator of the heavens and the earth, sovereign King, Lord Jesus. We can know Him personally. Good night. We can walk with Him. We can talk with Him. You can cry to Him. He will, he will in, oh my goodness, he will encourage. I mean, we talked about the promises in Psalm 23. They become a reality when the Spirit of the living God makes manifest in our hearts his comfort. He restores, he renews, he, he leads us, he guides us every step of the way. This, isn't just, I mean, this is not just good preaching, this is reality. If the Spirit of God is alive in you, if you really have been born again, the Holy Spirit makes us alive. Friend, listen, this is the difference maker in, in, in our life today. Listen, can I just pause here just a minute? You know what the world needs to see? Because I can be straight up with them on this. They don't need to see another church house. Now, don't get me wrong. I love our church house. I love it. We're doing a lot of reclamation and restoration and all that good stuff. But you know what the world needs to see? It's somebody that loves Jesus Christ personally and passionately with all their heart. That is real and sincere. You know what's going to win the loss to Christ? It's when, you, when, when me and you become so consumed with our love for Jesus that they're going to look into our lives like, man, what's up with him? What's the difference in her? What is it that they have that I don't have? This void, this deep void. As I was talking to the young the deep void on the inside is a common void in someone who doesn't know Christ. Can you testify today about the feeling of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the peace of God that just transcends our... Can you testify about that today? Friend, that's what, the people, that's what people around us need to hear, need to see, lived out. And the good news, you're not alone. God didn't ask you to drum it up, kind of get, get, you know, make it happen. Friend, He makes it happen when He takes up residence in our life. The Holy Spirit of God makes us alive. Now, the last thing is this. The... That the Holy Spirit empowers us. And I'm using the word victorious. Christian living. And I mean that. I didn't, make, I didn't, I didn't say easy. I said victorious. In other words, well, I mean, it's not just now and here. It's forevermore. In our little Bible study this morning, just to even talk about the eternal uh, concept of, what, of who we are in Christ. And the fact that whether it happens here or then, we are in Christ forevermore. Healed. Set free. We have so many promises. But let's talk about right now and right here. Because I get real personal and very practical. I, I mean, if you know anything about me, I'm very personal and very practical. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God empowers us to victorious Christian li living. Look in your Bible, to, uh, chapter 8. Look at here. Because he talks about this. He talks about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, he says, uh, uh, 
talks in verse 4, he says, In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to sinful nature, or, uh, but according to the Spirit. So he is creating this contrast of images. One who's living by the sinful nature, which we all have, and this one who's living by the Holy Spirit. Those are the children of God that have come to Christ. And, he, and he's setting this out. To, to, to the Christian, the Holy Spirit of God enables us to live this thing called the Christian life. And how does he do that? Look here with me in verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have set their minds on what the nature des desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Uh, first and foremost, here's what, it's on your notes if you're making notes. How, 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 do, how does he do this in our life? He enables us to have our minds set on the things that the Spirit of God desires. In the context here, we see the Word of God. We see the people of God. We see the worship of God. All this happens here. In other words, to enable us to be able to set our mind on Christ, on living for Him, this is the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. How do we live this Christian life? Listen, I can just be straight up. Your mind has to be set, focused on Christ. You don't do that on your own. You do that through the work and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, I was, and, and I'm going to share this because the second thing to that is to set your mind. But look at here. In verse 9, or 6 through 9. Well, let, 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 me, let, let me just jump to verse 9. It says, You, however, are controlled, not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. Um, when we talk about being controlled, it, it has the context of submission. Of rendering ourselves uh, uh, submitted to the Lord. In other words, when you set your mind on things above on Christ and on things that are going to enable us to grow in Christ, there's a process in that that we personally, in, in, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit of God, have to come to a place where we yield ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. To walk in Him means to be led by Him, to yield ourselves to Him. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves to God and resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. There's a process of growing in Christ, of being this Christian life, of honoring and bringing glory to God that, that we have to take responsibility for. I mean, it's a, it's a process. You don't earn your salvation, but friend, once Christ comes in you and the Holy Spirit of God, there's a process of yielding and submitting and setting your mind, your heart to things above. Uh, I can't say this enough. Uh, God designed and desires for me and you to bring glory to him. We can only do that because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. You don't do that on your own. You don't drum that up on your own. It's Christ in us. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, set apart, made holy, pure. And in this case, to live victoriously, not submitting to this sinful nature, but submitting unto the Holy Spirit of God, yielding fruit unto the glory of God. This is His plan and purpose for us. You know, the hymn writer had it right. Uh, there's a familiar hymn. You probably know this. I'll save you from me singing it. Although I could. I could just. No, that's okay. Thank you. You're sweet. All to Jesus. Y'all know this one? I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him. In his presence, daily live. 
All to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit truly know that thou art mine. The assurance. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing fall on me. Hymn writer had it right. I surrender all. You know, Neil T. Anderson made a statement. He said, apart from the Holy Spirit in our lives, right now, today, as a child of God, the greatest power we have and we possess is the power to choose. Choose. You made a choice. Thank you for being here today, and to God be the glory. Every day we make a choice. When we wake up in the morning, am I going to pray and seek the Lord or not? Do I believe the God and His promises or not? Will I even read the Bible or not? Will I go to church next Sunday or Wednesday night or not? The truth is, every day we make decisions, some that we're conscious of, some unconscious of, every single day. The hymn writer had it right. I surrender all is a decision that's made. It's a choice that we make. If we want God to be glorified in our lives today, as a people of God, Flint Hill, a Christian, this Baptist church here, the people of God here, if we want God to be glorified, we make the decision as a people of God. Will we choose to surrender all? Will we submit and yield ourselves under the reigning, ruling power of God and the Holy Spirit of God? So here, here's what I would ask you today, church. Before you, we have a choice. What will you choose? Father, we come before you right now in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And God, in this moment, I recognize there are many Christians here in the house of the Lord, and there's many people that know you personally as their Lord and Savior. But the truth is every day, every day, every day, we have a choice to make. Will we be a people that bring honor and glory to you? Will we yield the control of our lives over to you, Holy Spirit of God? I'm just asking you right now, all across this sanctuary, God, would you so cut us to the heart and examine our hearts before you? God, if there's any area of our life, part of our life that we have not yielded to you, Lord Jesus, God, bring it to our mind. Let us, be, let us be like the hymn writer. Let us sing with all of our heart. We surrender all. Every bit of it, Father, for your glory. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. If you're here today and you might be that person and you say, I don't know Christ. In just a moment, we're going to begin to sing this song. It's a great song. Maybe today you need to make that decision to follow Christ today. So I want to invite you to come. Maybe today is the day you know this is where God's called you to, to plant your feet, your life, and ministry here at Flint Hill. Then we encourage you to make, we're going to ask you to make that public. So you come on down. And maybe today is the day you say, hey, say, I've trusted Christ, but I'm going to follow through believer's baptism. I'm going to preach that first message to the glory of God. Then you come on down. We're going to begin to sing. As we sing, you, you come.